It's not a one-time event. It's a day-by-day, sometimes moment-by-moment discipline of listening for and obeying the Father's voice, letting go of our own personal opinions, preferences, and preconceptions. This is the Bible Speaks to You podcast, episode 140. Today, we're going to be talking about what keeps us from leaving all for Christ. You're listening to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. I'm James Early, your host, and this is the place to be to rediscover the original Christianity of Jesus. Each week, we talk about how Jesus wanted us to think and act and pray and live our daily lives. And we dig down into the mindset of Jesus to discover how we can think and act like he did. The goal is to experience more of Jesus' promise that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hey there, welcome again to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. I'm so grateful that you've tuned in to listen today. In this week's episode, we're going to be talking about what it means to leave all for Christ and what keeps us from doing it. One day, Jesus was talking with his disciples about the level of commitment it takes to be one of his followers. He had just had a conversation with a young rich man who was a bit too dependent on his material wealth to leave it all and follow Jesus. Jesus had told him to sell all his earthly possessions, give the proceeds to the poor, and then to come and follow him. This is in Mark ten, seventeen through 22. Well, the young man just couldn't do it, and he left deeply grieved. Jesus took this opportunity to teach his disciples a really important lesson. This is in Mark chapter 10, 23 through 27. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. This amazed them, but Jesus said again, Dear children, it is very hard, and some ancient manuscripts add, for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved? They asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. Jesus was always looking for people to follow him with their whole hearts. The disciples were really surprised at what Jesus had said, and more than anything, it may have actually caused them to ponder their own commitment to Jesus. And as they were thinking about that, Peter obviously took it to heart and made a bold statement. This is Mark ten twenty-eight. Peter began to say to him, We have left all and have followed thee. 
Now, there could be maybe a little self-justification in there, but I think it's more of an acknowledgement of the level of their commitment. What does it really mean to leave all for Christ? There's another account in John which sheds some light on what Jesus had in mind. This is John chapter 6, 56, 60 through 63, and 66 through 69. Jesus is talking to a group of people who were following him. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? They took what he said literally instead of seeing the deep spiritual metaphor that Jesus was talking about. But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Then verse 66, After this, Many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Jesus had said some pretty heavy-duty stuff here, and some of his followers just couldn't handle it. It showed that they weren't quite as committed to following him as they thought they were. Then in verse 67, Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Good old Simon Peter. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. That was a reference to the Messiah. They knew that Jesus was the Messiah. So, what does it mean to leave all for Christ? Are we supposed to sell all our worldly goods, give it all to the poor, live on the streets or in a cave? depend on charity or get our money from a fish's mouth? I think it's important to remember that Jesus only said to one person, that young rich man, to sell all earthly possessions. That fellow was probably not aware of how dependent he was on his wealth until Jesus spoke with him. But just selling all your possessions is not what it means to leave all for Christ. Paul makes it clear in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 3, he says, If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Just giving away all material possessions doesn't mean you've given away all your selfish material thinking. So, what does it mean to leave all for Christ? Well, as always, Jesus gives us the answer better than anyone else could. And it's more the way he lived his life, and not just the words he said, that show us the way. So, that's a good example for us. We need to begin with how we live our lives before we make some bold declaration, telling everyone we're going to leave all for Christ. If you are actually doing that, leaving all for Christ in your daily life, 
You don't have to tell anyone. People will notice. How did Jesus' life answer this question? Well, the answer is actually quite simple. Jesus surrendered completely to God, and his daily life epitomized that. Jesus did not pursue his own will. He always did God's will. In John 6:38 he says, "I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will." Jesus didn't come to accumulate and bask in personal glory. Everything he did was for God's glory. In John 8:50 he says, "I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it and he is the judge." And in John 7:18 he adds, "Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him." He was speaking of himself, but he could be speaking of you as well. When you do everything to seek the glory of the one who has sent you, which of course is God. So where do you and I fit in on that spectrum of seeking our glory or seeking God's glory? Let's face it, sometimes we want some personal glory and honor for the things we do. We can hide behind saying the words of giving all the glory to God, but the human ego still craves personal glory. To leave all for Christ means to expose and expunge to get rid of these desires. Jesus did not come with his own personal agenda. From the time he was a young boy, he was about his father's business. That's from Luke 2:49. He did not maneuver his way into people's lives to exert his personal power over them. Each breath he took, each step he took, each word he spoke, each deed he accomplished, each person he healed, he did so because God directed and empowered him to. And what was the result of this complete surrender to God's will and God's power and God's authority? Jesus treated people, even those lost in sin, with compassion and dignity. He healed their broken hearts and bodies. He gave them hope and ultimately He gave them the kingdom of heaven. Jesus surrendered his will, his voice, his glory to God's. How much of your self-will and your glory are you willing to let go of? How often, rather, do we think we know exactly what we need or what must happen in a given situation? We basically tell God what to do and how to work things out as if God needs our advice. And just in case you hadn't noticed, this attitude is not leaving all for Christ. We can be so attached to our own opinions, our own perspectives, and our own will. And yet, at the same time, we say we want to leave all for Christ. It's odd how sometimes we cling so firmly to what we consider almost our divine right to exercise our own will as opposed to yielding to God's will. But the more I have studied 
the life of Jesus, the more I've come to see that he didn't use his will to obey God. He actually gave up his will. He surrendered it to let God do his will. There's a big difference between using your will to do something and letting go of your will. In the Garden of Gethsemane, this was a struggle even for Jesus. So it shouldn't be a surprise that we struggle with this as well. But the struggle is totally worth it and should never stop us from following Jesus' example. So how do we leave all for Christ? It's not a one-time event. It's a day-by-day, sometimes moment-by-moment discipline of listening for and obeying the Father's voice, letting go of our own personal opinions, preferences, and preconceptions. And as we do this, it opens our hearts to the presence of the Holy Spirit. But even if you left all for Christ yesterday, today is a new occasion. Each and every day requires the same commitment. Jesus put it this way, In Luke 9.23, he said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. As in everything we do, it's really eye-opening to examine our motives for leaving all for Christ. Are we trying to get spiritual brownie points with God, our pastor, or our fellow church members? Or do we just love Jesus and simply want to follow him? In everything Jesus did, his motive was to glorify God, not himself. To leave all for Christ is to follow his example, to let the way we live our lives be such a shining light that it glorifies God. Jesus made a promise which was also a prophecy when he said, and this is in John fourteen twelve, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. This promise is fulfilled to the degree we leave all for Christ. Think about that for a minute. We can do greater works than Jesus? If he hadn't said that, it would almost sound blasphemous, wouldn't it? But there it is, plain and simple. When we believe in Jesus, we'll do the works he did and greater works. Do we believe in Jesus in a way that we are doing the works Jesus did and even greater works? Let's start just with the way he loved people. Are we moved with compassion and love? to the degree he was when he saw the multitudes? Or do we judge people by all the outward appearances that separate them into us-and-them categories? I'm pretty sure there were people in those crowds, which Jesus looked on with compassion, who were not necessarily the most outstanding members of society. We might not want to associate with some of those people Jesus loved so freely. And there are some of those folks we might not want to show up in our churches. But Jesus saw the worth and dignity of everyone he came in contact with, regardless of their social status 
or how much of a saint or sinner they were. And personally, I think he even loved the Pharisees and all those who opposed him. He didn't love their hypocrisy, but in his rebukes of their worldly ways and means, I think he was actually trying to help them see the error of their ways. It's because he loved them. To the degree we can leave our self-focused, material, earth-based perspective for Jesus' perspective, we will follow in his footsteps. We will love and heal as he did, and we will give all the glory to God in the process. I know it sounds pretty idealistic, doesn't it? Sometimes it seems like an impossible goal to actually leave all for Christ. But it is possible, or Jesus wouldn't have said so often, follow me. He only asked and expected of us what he knew was possible. Something I have slowly come to realize over the years is that it is impossible to leave all for Christ through human willpower and determination, through theological and intellectual gymnastics. Leaving all for Christ is not an activity of the human mind. It's not something the human mind does. It's a letting go of the human mind's perspective and involvement. And you can't leave all for Christ by yourself. It's really an activity of the Holy Spirit, which baptizes you, washing away everything in your heart and mind that has not yielded to Christ. Take a moment, sometime today, to take an honest look at yourself. What is it in your heart that hasn't yielded to Christ? Is there any anger or resentment? Someone you haven't forgiven? Are you holding on to a victim mentality because of past circumstances or the way people have treated you? Are you a control freak and always have to be in control? These are just a few of the things that we must surrender as we leave all for Christ. Why do we hold on to these things? It's because we think they define us. We think that's who we are. But they don't actually define us. They just describe something that happened to us. As you leave all for Christ, day by day, throughout your life, as you do the works of Jesus, and you will, don't be too impressed with yourself. Jesus told the returning 70 disciples who had healed and cast out demons in his name, this is in Luke 10:20. Do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Why should we leave all for Christ? Because in the process we discover that our names are written in heaven. We discover our relationship, our oneness with God and Christ. Ultimately, to leave all for Christ is to let go of everything you identify with that is not part of how God originally made you in His image and likeness.
Hey, thanks so much for being here today and listening. I'm so grateful you tuned in. If you enjoyed today's episode, please think of someone you could share it with. You might know someone who would really appreciate today's message. If you're new to the Bible Speaks to You podcast, a big welcome to you. I'd like to encourage you to subscribe. The best way to do that is to go to the website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com, and click on the subscribe tab in the menu bar. Fill out the form, that way you'll be on my email notification list, and you'll never miss an episode. And of course, you can listen on your favorite podcast app as well. When you subscribe on the website, though, I'll send you a prayer guide called Praying with the Mindset of Jesus. So you won't get that from subscribing on a podcast app, but I'll have a link to subscribe in the description on your podcast app. So if you'd like to sign up on the website, you can do that. If you have any questions or comments about today's episode, I'd love to hear from you. Or if you have anything you'd like to ask about the Bible, or if you just need a little spiritual support, please reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you. Go to the website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com, and click on the Contact tab in the menu bar. Fill out the form, and I'll be in touch. I'd love to hear from you. As always, I'll have all the Bible references that I mentioned in today's episode in the show notes page on the website. Just go to thebiblespeakstoyou.com forward slash 140. This is episode 140. And I'll put a link to that page also in the description on the podcast app. And I just want to say again how grateful I am for all of you, my listeners. There are now people in 142 countries who have listened to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. One of the main reasons for this is because you have shared it with people. The message is getting out all over the world, and I am so grateful for everything you have done to help support this effort. That's it for this week. Again, thank you so much for being here. I'm James Early with the Bible Speaks to You podcast. Have a great week. Take care, and we'll see you next time. God bless. God bless.